Since I came here, I think uh, we have been uh, working on a uh, country engagement strategy with China. We are talking about a country that has extricated about 800 million people from poverty. We are talking about a country that has about 500 million or, uh, or half a billion middle class. Africa should stop exporting raw materials and unprocessed goods. We need to add value. Uh, are we looking for additional finance from China? Surely. Implementation of DSSI until mid-June uh, uh, is, as I said, a good thing, but uh, on the other hand, it will not solve, uh, uh, I think, our problem. Where will money come for Africa? Where will money come for Ethiopia to have the stimulus package? That is what we are asking our uh, partners. And so far, we have come a very long way, but uh, I still believe that we have a very long way to go. Hello everyone, welcome to Development Reimagine's easy to digest video and podcast series, Africa Unconstrained, supported by Quartz Africa, an essential online source for understanding the forces shaping our world. Our aim with Africa Unconstrained is to explore African perspectives on the continent's new era, especially in the context of a post-COVID-19 world. If you don't already know Development Reimagined, we are a leading independent and African-led international development consultancy with our headquarters in China and with offices in Kenya and the UK. Our mission is to provide new ideas and solutions to deal with the complexities of global poverty and climate change. And it's a mission our diverse team really strives for every day. I'm Hannah Ryder, Development Reimagined CEO. And without further ado for this session, I'm very excited to be here with our distinguished guest, Ethiopian Ambassador to China, His Excellency Teshome Toga, to help reveal his unique perspective on Africa's 55 varied economies, especially Ethiopia, of course, and how to protect and revitalize their growth in a COVID-19 context and possibly with China. Ambassador Toga was previously Ethiopia's ambassador to Belgium, Tanzania, and Kenya. He served as speaker of the House of Representatives in the Ethiopian Parliament and as Minister of Public Enterprises. Thank you so much for joining us, Ambassador. I want to start off our conversation today with a number. If there was one number that you think every African and Ethiopian should be aware of with regards to Africa's economies in a post-COVID-19 context, what would it be and why? Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much, uh, uh, Anna and uh, Development Reimagine for uh, giving me this opportunity to share my perspective uh, about this important uh, project, China-Africa Partnership. Well, if there is one number I wish Africans to remember in 2020 it would be the population uh, of uh, Africa. If you look at the population size of uh, uh, Africa, you have 1.3 billion uh, people in the continent. Now, what impresses me again uh, about this size is the, the diversity of the size of member states. Uh, take the largest country, Nigeria, with a population, with an estimated population of 220 million currently. And then the next two countries combined, Ethiopia and Egypt, uh, uh, are more or less the size of Nigeria. Then down uh, there, you have uh, uh, where? 
uh, sovereign states, but small uh, countries with uh, uh, population, small population size uh, in less than a million. Uh, so that is a diversity uh, which uh, is important in itself. But when you want to present yourself as Africans, I think presenting even bigger country like Nigeria or uh, a second biggest country or largest country like Ethiopia would not really make a big impact. Uh, that's why the unity of uh, uh, our size, the unity of uh, our strength actually, which is our size in terms of population, in terms of uh, number of countries in the continent, I think uh, that figure impresses me a lot. And I think uh, the point I want, I'm trying to make is that uh, presenting each individual member country in the currently globalized world does not make any significant impact. Uh, look at China with a population of 1.4 billion. Look at India with a population of 1.3 billion. Those are the countries that we are competing with as a continent, not as a country. Uh, so that's the number I wanted uh, to mention to my fellow Africans. Thank you, Excellency. And that is a perfect number to kick off our discussion today, showing not just the diversity, but also the importance of unity. Um, and indeed, while we know that every African country is different, both in terms of demographics, history, debt profiles, as well as financial needs, let's look into this question around um, African finances a bit more and, and, and how, for example, Ethiopia has dealt with some of these, these issues. Um, Ethiopia's COVID-19 social protection initiatives, we estimated were going to be reaching around 27% of the population. And the central bank also plans support for private commercial banks, which, and in total, we estimated that that would come to about 2.1% of GDP. Now that's significant, but it is lower than many other parts of the world. What's your assessment of how Ethiopia has coped and is coping going forwards with COVID-19 strategies and financing COVID-19 response? Well, uh, that's a very interesting question, uh, Anna. Uh, first of all, COVID-19 is an emergency. In the case of Ethiopia, uh, the first COVID case actually was reported around March uh, last year. Uh, therefore, uh, the government was forced to mobilize resources. It means that the government has to really divert and pull resources from, the, from already committed uh, sectors, uh, including education, including health, including agriculture, and other resources. So the question uh, was balancing uh, all this uh, in your priorities. In terms of mobilizing resources, you know, the prime minister has taken several initiatives. Uh, one, Domestically, he mobilized the private sector and the general public. The private sector in Ethiopia, including private banks, has, uh, have injected a lot of money. Uh, so that should be taken into board. The second is uh, the general public, uh, in its way, contributed also a lot. Uh, and uh, there were several other social mobilizations, including here in China. Uh, this embassy has mobilized a significant amount of uh, uh, medical equipments, including uh, personal protection uh, equipments and other equipments. This does not include, by the way, what is donated by the government of China uh, or by major uh, foundations like Alibaba foundations and the other. But this is the effort that uh, this embassy has made. Each individual diplomat throughout the world, each individual Ethiopian throughout the world, 
contributing to the fight. Now, the point uh, here is that uh, we have two challenges uh, going on or ongoing. One is still the virus is there and we are fighting. The second is that uh, many countries, uh, including China, United States, European Union, are uh, uh, discussing about post-COVID recovery. Post-COVID recovery for, for us is a critical one. Uh, the current fight is important. It is a humanitarian uh, aspect, but on the other hand, long-term development impact of COVID-19 is, is very serious. Uh, but uh, getting foreign direct investment is a serious problem uh, because of, again, movement of people and goods and services. Now, in post-COVID recovery, and, uh, many countries have injected a lot of resources by way of the stimulus package. And that's not seen in Africa because uh, we uh, already have a critical uh, financing uh, problem. First, to fight the virus itself, and secondly, uh, to allocate additional resources for post-COVID uh, post recovery. I was reading an article today saying that uh, Africa might need uh, 9 billion US dollars to buy vaccine as well as to administer it. And that will cover not the entire African population, it will only cover segment of African population. That's the situation we are in. Where will money come for Africa? Where will money come for Ethiopia to have the stimulus package? That is what we are asking our uh, partners. Secondly, uh, we have uh, what we call debt uh, service suspension initiative uh, taken by G20 countries. Ethiopia is beneficiary of that. But uh, as we said again and again, debt service uh, suspension initiatives, a good thing, it gives you a temporary relief, but uh, it does not really uh, uh, have a significant impact in terms of uh, uh, stimulating the economy, because several uh, factories, several industries have reduced or totally stopped uh, production. They need uh, injection, uh, you know, in terms of finance. They need support. So uh, certainly Africa needs more finance. And where would that finance come from, I think, is an issue. You're absolutely right, Your Excellency. It's crucial to discuss where the finance will come from with all development partners. Now, Your Excellency, being based in China, I'd like to ask you where you think the Ethiopia-China and Africa-China relationship more broadly should be going, both in terms of finance and other issues. For instance, there have been recent changes in China's domestic policy due to COVID-19 with a focus on a new policy called dual circulation. Do you think it will be easier in this context or harder for Ethiopia and other African countries to get more loans from China in future? You mentioned foreign direct investment. Are you working to push for that or for public-private partnerships instead? What are your key areas of strategic focus? Uh, first, uh, to get additional resources, of course, uh, we have uh, now agreed and signed uh, DSSI initiative uh, or DSSI. And then it means that uh, until, as of now, until uh, mid-2021, uh, the debt payment, uh, repayment will be suspended. And then we'll start paying. Uh, uh, expectation is that um, there will be more negotiation uh, because until then, because we are not sure even we will be able to contain the virus, even with the upcoming vaccine. And so the issue of uh, implementation of DSSI until mid-June uh, uh, is, as I said, a good thing. But uh, on the other hand, 
it will not solve, uh, I think, our problem. Now, uh, are we looking for additional finance from China? Surely, uh, uh, as Ethiopia, I can speak for my country, uh, we are looking for additional finance. And where will that finance come from? Uh, China is one source, of course, but uh, in order to get more finance from China, of course, uh, we, we have to, we have to, uh, uh, we have a number of issues uh, that we need to negotiate uh, with China. Uh, the first thing is the existing uh, arrangements and the implementation of DSSI. Uh, the second thing is how much money we will get. As a matter of policy, we have stopped uh, borrowing uh, commercially, and uh, we are only looking for a concessional loan, and of course, uh, uh, aid money if uh, if it comes from FOCAC as well as uh, from other sources. In my view, uh, we cannot only look at Chinese financial institutions, we also need to look at foreign direct investment. And uh, as I said earlier, we have uh, problems regarding uh, uh, FDI now, because Chinese enterprises cannot move to uh, African countries because of uh, a number of uh, uh, protocols that are restricted restricting movement uh, because when they return back, uh, even if they can freely move in, in Africa, depending on the protocol of uh, each country, uh, but when they return, they will be quarantined for 14 days, you have to uh, uh, get tested two times and so on and so forth. And uh, private sectors or even public sector, they're not very much interested. Uh, and this is not uh, really something that is very attractive. Secondly, China's economy also was affected, but uh, it is an economy now that is fully recovered, as uh, many analysts would tell you. Uh, then, but still, uh, China, Chinese uh, private as well as public sector require most of the finance back home. Uh, so, the question of how much money, how much finance would be available for us, uh, whether uh, for loan or foreign direct investment, I think is something that uh, we need to negotiate with uh, with the uh, Chinese uh, private sector as well as uh, the public sector. I think that is one. The second uh, source, uh, in my view, uh, or the third source, in my view, is trade. Uh, but uh, as you know, trade with China uh, in the last 20 years have uh, increased 20-fold. Um, we were about 10 billion. Uh, total volume of trade between China and Africa was about 10 billion in 1999, and currently it stands around 208 billion. And of course, the growth is phenomenal. But uh, uh, look at the volume, uh, and the volume is still for 54 countries, 54 African countries, 1.3 billion African uh, people, and trading only 280 billion. Compare that with uh, the Chinese trade with uh, individual countries like United States or uh, uh, neighboring countries is still very small in terms of uh, volume. We are getting maybe 4% of uh, total uh, uh, trade volume with China. That's not uh, the whole story. The whole story, uh, that's not the whole story. Uh, I think uh, one major structural problem, that's what I call it myself, and uh, the supply side constraint. I think it's good that trade volume between China and Africa has increased, but we are still selling commodities. We are our uh, size uh, of uh, uh, export to China still is small in terms of uh, numbers, in terms of, um, uh, as I said, for a continent like Africa. So we need to do more. What can we do? We can increase productivity using technology, using variety sets, using skills, 
using, I think, knowledge in agriculture, investing in agriculture. The second uh, is that once we have increased productivity in our commodities, primary commodities agriculture, Africa should stop exporting raw materials and unprocessed goods. We need to add value. Let me take the case of Ethiopia. Uh, we have been trading coffee for centuries now. Uh, uh, however, uh, most of our exports are still, uh, you know, unprocessed raw. So we are trying to add value to it. Uh, and uh, I think that's what we need uh, to do as Africans, value addition. Uh, my thinking is that uh, we can still use Chinese private sector to invest and then have joint venture with uh, African um, private sector so that uh, they can learn, uh, I think, value additions. They can learn uh, benefit from technology transfer. They can develop skills. There are staff and workers uh, could also learn uh, from, uh, uh, from uh, the Chinese partners. Now, we are promoting, you know, trying uh, to promote our products. This is the second largest economy. Uh, this is the first uh, and the largest uh, market for your uh, products, a, con a country of 1.4 billion people, uh, uh, first uh, exporter uh, and the second importer. Uh, if you cannot benefit uh, from this huge and rich market, we are talking about a country that has extricated about 800 million people from poverty. We are talking about a country that has about 500 million or, uh, or half a billion middle class. Uh, so imagine, uh, you know, entering into this market. Of course, there are other problems, uh, uh, customs, uh, clearance, standard meeting, negotiations. You have so many related issues. Those are not easy uh, issues, uh, but we should start working on them. We are working on them, like uh, Ethiopia has started working with China on, on how we can export uh, meat uh, to the Chinese market. Uh, but uh, the process takes uh, long. We are discussing with China how they can ease. Uh, of course, they cannot uh, really uh, forego some of their standards, but uh, how can we help build our capacity, uh, negotiating capacity, meeting the standards of uh, Chinese consumers, uh, meeting the standards set by the Chinese um, uh, government. Uh, it is very important that uh, we have sustainable partnership and that partnerships are sustainable when they are uh, mutually beneficiary. And uh, that is what we are trying to do with China. Uh, I think uh, so far uh, we have come a very long way, but uh, I still believe that we have a very long way to go. And uh, it is only this candid uh, discussion uh, that will help us overcome some of the challenges. And uh, of course, uh, in concluding my, my, my answer to your second question is that uh, I always believe we need more cooperation. We need more investment. We need more trade. Uh, it's not less. Uh, uh, we have challenges. We have to address the challenges. We have to overcome. And the answer to our current even challenges is more investment, more trade, and more cooperation. Completely understand that. It makes a lot of sense. And we always, at Development Reimagined, we talk about having a holistic strategy. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're aiming for with China. And um, and yeah, you've got, you've moved already you're still making progress and that will be really interesting to see how that moves in 2021. Look, um, Your Excellency, it's really important that our audience understands 
an African perspective, an African perspective from China on these issues. I follow you on Twitter um, and see the different engagements that you're making. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty more of that, those opportunities. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you to our audience. Please do follow us at www.developmentreimagined.com and on Twitter at devreimagined and also our partner at www.qz.com stroke Africa. Thank you all for joining and see you next time.